Clearing Up is the premier source of independent news and information for the Pacific Northwest electric and natural gas industries. Published weekly by Newsdata since 1982, Clearing Up focuses on energy policy, resources, markets, infrastructure, and other key relevant subjects. Many thousands of energy professionals depend on Clearing Up to help them better understand and navigate their ever-dynamic energy world. Visit newsdata.com to find out why and start your subscription today. Again, that's newsdata, one word, dot com. Welcome to Newsdata's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with Newsdata's Clearing Up, and with me is my co-host and the editor of Newsdata's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. We're here with some of our top stories from recent, and uh, we've got a bunch of market stories this week. So, Jason, how are you doing? Going great, Dan. I've spent my morning digging out from the foot of snow that we got last night, but uh, yeah, we're off to a strong start. So I'm a little tired from that, but enjoying it. It's beautiful up in the mountain. And uh, yeah, ready to talk about Western markets. That that is, it's a good workout. Yeah, it is. No gym needed. Yeah, I miss that from growing up in uh, New England. <laughs> uh, first, I do have to ask. I I don't think you're a huge soccer fan, but if you are following the World Cup, do you have? Are are you? Do you have a guess or bet on who's going to be in the final or who's going to win it all? I wish I did, but I have to admit I've not been really following the World Cup. I've been. Doing other stuff. Crazy number of upsets this year. Yeah, I did. I I caught bits and pieces here and there. And um, you've told me about a couple of things. Sorry, dear listeners. All the all the teams I'm pulling, I was pulling for have been eliminated. Some in some kind of questionable calls and Mm -hmm. really frustrating games. But, uh, you know, I got to say, like. It's going to be France. That's my bet. I might not be my. The outcome I want, but they just yeah. seem the one team that's been just kind of cruising through. But we'll see. We'll and, see. and who else? I'm I'm excited about Morocco though. First African yeah. nation to make it to the semifinal. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll exciting. watch the finals. Then I'll be more conversant. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we can we can check back in next week about it. But okay. Right now we have some. Huge, like a bunch of big market developments last week for yeah. uh, moving the West moving towards having more organized uh, electric energy power markets. Uh, so I've got some updates from the Northwest about Pacific Core. Well, the West Pacific Core joining California uh, independent system operators, Kaiso's day ahead market proposal, and also the Western Resource Adequacy proposal or program. Uh, Joining Pacific Core is uh, uh, 10 other utilities and, and entities and in uh, joining the RAP, the Resource Adequacy Program. And BPA, Bonneville, is trying to figure out a way to join the RAP uh, with, while still maintaining its obligations to its preference customers. Jason, what do you have for us on Kaiso's day ahead market? I'll be talking about uh, the draft final proposal for uh, California independent system operators, day ahead market enhancements, which is uh, a series of improvements or reforms that they're making to the day ahead market. Right. Well, yeah. So 
first story out of the gate here is Pacific Core came out last week, December 8th, and said that they plan to join Kaiso's extended day ahead market, which Jason was just talking about, in when it begins, when it's slated to begin operations in 2024. This is a huge, uh, this is huge news. There's two mm-hmm. two proposals right now vying for market footprint, market share. Ooh, two market proposals vying for market share in the West. Kaiso's yeah. EDAM extended day ahead market and the Southwest Power Pools Markets Plus. They're both day ahead markets with uh, imbalance, you know, like five time, five minute real time increment balancing markets and other ancillary services. Pacific Core is the the largest utility in the West. They are like an organized market in, unto themselves in some ways. Uh, they cut across, I think, seven states. I'd have to double check that though, but they're big and they've got a lot of transmission and they yeah. also are in a kind of critical spot where they are the main transmission gateway for a lot of the Northwest to the rest of the West. So they're committing yeah. to Kaiso. Uh, and even you know, so SPP came out with their final draft or their final offering for their markets plus proposal. Kaiso's coming out with theirs now. Um yeah. and Pacific Core did not wait around. No. They they jumped on on Kaiso really quickly. And uh so this is gonna be a big investment for them, but this is a huge shift uh to throwing some this puts a lot of momentum behind Kaiso's EDAM and also uh, really, I think, could shape the choices that Northwestern utilities have to make. There's also BPA in terms of transmission. They're a huge transmission player in the Northwest and connecting to the rest of the West. West. But uh, yeah, being connected directly to the market, uh, that I mean, you can't form a market based on a bunch of islands that are have to find transmission pathways in between them. It kind of undermines the idea of an efficient market. If you've got to find all these inefficient, less efficient uh, connections between market islands. So uh, Pacific core, I have to think, uh, and from, you know, conversations I've had, uh, you know, conversations on the, on the sidelines, background conversations, uh, this really will, it kind of uh, change how a lot of utilities in the Northwest could the, the, how the math for them works out in terms of which market option they go with. So sure. the the other aspect of that uh, of this of S, or, uh, Power Core Power Pacific Core's news is that they said that they're joining the Western Resource Adequacy Program. So that's a program that the Western Power Pool came out with. They've been working on for a few years to address uh, concerns about. Not having enough energy, not having enough power uh, on the grid, and people having to have um, you know, loss of load events. Worst case scenario, loss of load event is a blackout. Uh, that's not the only outcome, but the idea being like, hey, look, the grid's getting tighter. Let's form a program where we can share surplus energy within us, within the members, to avoid getting caught in a tight market where we're either forced to pay you know, drastically spiking prices or have to shed load to keep our, our grid balanced. So Pacific Core, uh, them joining the RAP is a huge vote of confidence for that program too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the huge news for this is 
they're they're committing to Kaiso over SPP. So what what's the development on on Kaiso? What what did we learn last week with their their latest uh, release? Well, Kaiso uh, issued its draft final proposal for its day ahead market enhancements. To be clear, there's two different proceedings going on regarding this. There is this one, which is the enhancements that they're making to the the day ahead market. And then separately, they have the extended day ahead market uh, proposal. Um, This will be brought across the the enhancements that they're making now will be brought across the larger EDAM when it is expanded. Um, So yeah, draft final proposals out. They're taking comments through December 21st. It's supposed to go before the Kaiser Board of Governors and uh, Western EIM governing body in February of next year, and then implementation in fall of 2023. So Kaiser has been working on this a long time. Um, The new draft proposal introduces an imbalanced reserve product in the integrated forward market. That market is designed to procure flexible reserves to cover uncertainty in the net load forecast between day ahead and real-time markets and to cover real-time uh, system ramping needs that are not covered by hourly schedules in the day ahead market. It also includes changes to the residual u- unit commitment process, which is, um, and these changes will enable procurement of downward dispatch capability and incorporate local market power mitigation measures. So Kaiso says these enhancements are, quote, essential elements, unquote, of the extended day ahead market and will, quote, Maximize the benefits of West-wide diversity in the day-ahead market's optimization. The day-ahead market currently lacks a product that procures flexible reserves to address the uncertainty between day-ahead and real-time schedules. Without that flexible reserve product, uh, there could be uncertainty around imbalances, which creates an operational mix. That's according to Kaiso. So a fairly technical proposal, but uh, the imbalanced reserves are meant to ensure the day-ahead market has sufficient flexible reserves to meet net load imbalances. Um, so yeah, and then a little bit on the residual uh, unit commitment process, um, some changes there. Um, that process is run in order to ensure physical supply can meet the CAISO hourly load forecast. And additional capacity is procured or committed to ensure the load forecast can be met. So, yeah, uh, this has been a, a very complicated and long proceeding, but uh, finally reached fruition with this final document. You can find that on the Kaiser website. It's also linked in the article that I did. Yeah, and that's, yeah, it's interesting that they're, uh, the flexibility resources or reserve requirements, I mean, that's a critical element. Interestingly, SPP, uh, they're, they're requiring people who are signing up for Markets Plus to be committing to an external uh, adequacy reserve program such as RAP. Yeah, they come in various types, I suppose. Um, yeah, and the imbalances, market, uh, Kaiser says these imbalances have increased in recent years because of increasing amounts of weather-dependent supply and load resources. Mm-hmm. So there's the intermittency, I guess, is contributing a little bit to the need for this new product, like many of Kaiso's proceedings. 
Yeah. I mean, then that's certainly, I don't know if it's, it would seem that California is at least one of the areas to feel the, that intermittency more than others. Yeah. I don't know if I, that's just kind of going off anecdotally, uh, anecdotal experience from reading and following Kaiso, but uh, they certainly yeah. are with their, their rapid decarbonization of the grid and reliance on especially solar. Uh, they, they have yeah. lived the, the mercurial nature uh-huh. of, and I'm, I'm trying to be overly eloquent about this. They, they know it's like to have resources production, go output, you know, go up sure. and down in a few minutes by a lot. So. Yeah. The ramping is getting quite intense on the grid. Uh, you know, California has definitely become the poster child for renewables integration. And when things go wrong, uh, there's a lot of finger pointing, but all the things that we're talking about here will help that situation. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's the Kaiso day ahead market enhancements. Yeah. I, it just, as an aside, I had a fascinating conversation earlier today with um, a contact of mine about uh, geothermal and mm-hmm. the the innovations that are going on there with geothermal enhancements that I really had heard about here and there, but have not taken the time to uh, start to dig into. And it is really fascinating the how much is coming along. And there's a lot of challenges, but the potential now for geothermal to become a real player in the renewables energy sector, especially because it can offer uh, reliable, consistent output that is not dependent on weather, which oh, yeah. would be a huge, you know, it will be a huge benefit if it's able to realize that promise um, for the huge benefit for the West and, and elsewhere. So, but anyways, that's parenthetical statement back to what we've been reporting on, but I, that is something I'm looking forward to digging into more and, and reporting on as uh, opportunities come up in the future. So, hey, readers, listeners, if you are in that area, drop me a line, dcashpultnewsdata.com. Love to hear more. All right. So speaking of resource adequacy, um, so 11 utilities, including Pacific Core, signed up for the Western Resource Adequacy Program run by Western Power Pool. They, the WPP had given entities interested in, in uh, moving on to the next phase of implementation at, a deadline of December 16th to commit. So we've already had now 11 entities commit. And here today we're recording this, it's December 12th. So uh, we expect tomorrow we'll be committing uh, just quickly for those keeping score at home. We've got Avista, Calpine Energy, um, Chelan County PUD, Klatskanai PUD in Oregon, Eugene Water and Electric Board, Pacific Core, Portland General Electric, PowerX, Puget Sound Energy, Seattle City Light, and Tacoma Power. So all of those, except for Calpine, are in Washington, Oregon. Now, there have been a few dozen more entities who have been involved in the development phase of, so heretofore development phases of the RAP. So I expect some more will make a decision one way or the other. Well, certainly they'll make a decision one way or the other. I would expect more entities to sign on by the December 16th deadline. RAP is hoping to implement the program January 1st, but some question questions raised by uh, 
in the FERC regulatory process likely delay that. Doesn't sound like they're serious. Uh, hindrance more just kind of like a okay they they were asked for more information none of the questions that they were asked for information about uh, mm. seem to be like serious roadblocks to getting FERC approval for this program but it might slow it down a little bit after January 1st seems a little unlikely they'll be able to respond that quickly so yeah we might be looking but you know hopefully still they're still hoping for certainly early but you know maybe Q1 uh, 2023. So not in that list of folks who have committed so far is Bonneville Power Administration, which is trying to figure out a way to be able to join the RAP without running afoul of its statutory obligation to serve its preference customers. So for those listeners who aren't familiar with Bonneville or how it functions, so there's a whole bunch of federal dams, federally owned and operated dams on the Columbia in the Columbia River Basin. Bonneville markets their output and runs a bunch of transmission lines. I mean, a bunch. It's a huge transmission provider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bunch. A, yeah, oh, yeah it's got a bunch. bunch. Yeah, uh, and so it's it's oblig. It was created to provide cheap power or hydropower to public power entities. So publicly owned utilities like Chelan PUD or um, you know, Seattle City Light. And it has requirements to sell these, the power at cost to them and, and uh, various other obligations in terms of how much it's committed to provide. And the idea being like, it is the provider first it's the first provider for these. And for a lot of them, a lot of these smaller public utilities, they you know, pretty much rely entirely on Bonneville. Uh, so, but it, there's some questions in terms of like how that that's going to work uh, since it's, is it up to Bonneville or the, the other entities to provide their, to meet the program requirements? What kind of constraints, the constraints of being, participating in the resource adequacy program, how does that affect Bonneville's ability to run its system to provide the power that its preference, that it's obligated to give to its preference customers? There's a lot of questions uh, to be addressed, a lot of I's to dot, T's to cross in the next few days. Again, so we should see by the end of this week, Bonneville, well, yeah, by the end of this week, December 16th, Friday, Bonneville needs an answer. So I'm sure we'll have something in the next clearing up. Um, certainly stay tuned. Yeah, some exciting times yeah. for markets in the West. Yeah, RAP is a, a big deal. When I was down in New Orleans uh, at the utility oh, yeah. conference at Nehruk, there was a lot of discussion on it. And uh, a lot of people looking at this as, you know, a, a better way to create more... Uh, capability of getting you know uh the inter renewables integrated on a wider scale and uh yeah just a lot of a lot of eyes on this one now was that people in the west or were people from like the eastern interconnection looking at this as a potential model to be replicated outside of this region uh, more more western people right. i don't know how much attention it's getting in the east you know they've got yeah they've all different situation but um 
you know, utility commissioners at neighbor come from all around the country. So uh, I'm sure they're aware of it. But uh, yeah, it's getting quite a bit of play. Yeah, and I, I frankly have no, I just don't know enough about the Eastern interconnection markets and like what resource adequacy requirements they have to participate, if any. Um, I know it varies from market to market. Yeah. Uh, like there's ERCOT versus everybody right. else, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I just have no, that's an area that I'm pretty ignorant on. Oh, they're very different. You know, have PJM interconnection on the East Coast, which is... I think 14 states and then mid-continent system operator yeah. also huge they're just massive uh rtos with totally different resource mixes a, a bunch of different state policies so yeah they're uh um you know they've got a different set of circumstances and programs yeah i mean they also to your point about different resource mix they rely much more on thermal and yeah and just less on intermittent resources sure. yep and uh but that's changing too it sure is and you know my so it was a great deal of coal and then uh on the east coast you've got all kinds of generation technologies a lot of natural gas obviously and, and more renewables coming in and then you know i i know this is a little dated news but we haven't had a chance to mention it but just Given the numbers, I would I feel like we would be remiss to at least not mention the first completed uh, West Coast offshore wind lease auction, which the Ocean Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, BOEM, uh, held December sixth and seventh. It closed with a total of seven hundred fifty-seven point one million dollars in bids. So, yeah, huge. Yeah, and. Uh, obviously a lot of interest and might be on our way to seeing some turbines here on the west coast but uh, a long way to go on that sure yeah yeah, yeah. had some good coverage of that uh, as i said some big numbers coming down for that yeah and if that stuff will be online sooner in the east coast or further along there's already one development the block island windshore program where my family used to go vacation there when i was a kid Blackhound's fantastic place. Um, yeah, they take an incredibly long time to site and get through the public process. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be no different on the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that There's the case with prediction. like almost every major program now? And these yeah. ones are especially complicated because of how much uh, deeper the water is on average over here. Yeah, you have to have floating turbines off the West Coast and they're not cheap. And a lot of engineering challenges and you know, coastal landowners, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, a lot of support from the Biden administration, obviously. And this this auction is a big deal. It is. Yeah, another important, very important first for the West. To say, this was a super exciting week for yeah. the West energy in the West. Too bad every week can't be like, well, if every week was like this, it might be a little exhausting. Yeah, on the markets front, just so many different moving parts. And uh, it's an interesting time to be covering all this stuff. And I feel like we, you know, we can dig a little bit deeper because markets is our bread and butter. Yeah. And, you know, I know we need to wrap up. So I apologize, listeners, but I, I, say, I saw that image that you dropped in Slack earlier today comparing 
market prices in the Western interconnection with the various organized markets um, yeah. in the Eastern interconnection. I mean, it is a shocking difference where it's like prices on average were like $350 a megawatt in the day ahead markets in the West versus, yeah. I forget what the highest one in the East was, but like a third of that at most, I think. And a lot, mostly much lower than that, like a 10th of, of that. Yeah. And you had, uh, under $30 a megawatt hour in ERCOT. Of course, I don't ever see that being a huge interconnection. And then yeah, $30 to $120 in the East coast and, uh, around zero megawatt hours, I guess, uh, East of the Rockies compared with 350 out here. So yeah, it's, uh, that's something I've been hearing about for a long, long time is the lack of interconnection between the East and West. And it has a lot of impacts. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's like what eight, eight DC inner ties between the East and West, I think something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. And yeah, certainly we'd have a much more efficient national power grid if uh, we were able to expand those. But yeah, I don't know what happened to Trace Amigas. It was a project I, I covered a lot about nine or 10 years ago. It was going to be in New Mexico and was supposed to, that's why they called it Trace Amigas. It was going to interconnect all the three major U.S. interconnections, but it never got off the ground. But uh, yeah, that's something that's been around for a long time, this dynamic. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. That was really interesting. Oh, cool. Glad you liked it. Yeah, well, Thank you, listeners, for sticking around as I know we ran a little long. Um, that's all for me, Dan Catchpole. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Energy West is edited and produced by our colleagues at Pioneer Utility Resources and Lucky Sound Studios. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at the Catchpole, and uh, clearing up is at CU News Data on Twitter. California Energy Markets is also on Twitter at CEM News Data. That's the letter CEM. I'm on there also at Fordney Energy. We hope to see you soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week.